Dear Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dear Father, we ask that you make us instruments by which your will is done. Give us grace to speak according to your will. Please, Lord, put your words in my mouth and bless us with manna from above. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, April 30 Haven't I sent you? And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. Have not I sent thee? Judges chapter 6 verse 14 To Gideon came the divine call to deliver his people. He was engaged at the time in threshing wheat. A small quantity of grain had been concealed, and not daring to beat it out on the ordinary threshing floor, he had resorted to a spot near the winepress. For the season of ripe grapes, grapes being still far off, little notice was now taken of the vineyards. As Gideon labored in secrecy and silence, he sadly pondered upon the condition of Israel and considered how the oppressor's yoke might be broken from off his people. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared and addressed him with the words, Jehovah is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Oh, my Lord, was his answer. If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The messenger of heaven replied, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Gideon deeply felt his own insufficiency for the great work before him. The Lord does not always choose for his work men of the greatest talents, but he selects those whom he can best use. Individuals who might do good service for God may for a time be left in obscurity, apparently unnoticed and unemployed by their master. But if they faithfully perform the duties of their humble position, cherishing a willingness to labor and to sacrifice for him, he will in his own time entrust them with greater responsibilities. Before honor is humility. The Lord can use most effectually those who are most sensible of their own unworthiness and inefficiency. He will teach them the excess to exercise the courage of faith. He will make them strong by uniting their weakness to his might, wise by connecting their ignorance with wisdom. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Haven't I Sent You? And we are going to be looking at lessons from the life of a man called Gideon. In the days of Gideon, Israel was under a form of bondage in the hands of the Midianites. Reading from the book of Judges chapter 6 verse 1, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds 
And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them, and they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. This was the state of things in the days of Gideon, and that's why we read that Gideon and Gideon was threshing flour secretly. Because if anyone saw them, if the Midianites or the Amalekites saw them, then there will be trouble for him. They will take it away from him. But I just mentioned something now. The Amalekites. Were they not supposed to be one of the people that the children of Israel was to utterly destroy from what we saw in previous devotions? What was it that brought Israel to these states of things where they now had to run to the mountains and the caves and hide there for themselves in dens? Why were, why, what, what brought Israel to this state of things? It's a tragic story for them. Before the death of Moses, in his last speech to Israel, he tried to charge them with instruction on what they should and should not do. And he also endeavored to encourage them to trust in God and not be afraid. In the book of Deuteronomy 7, we hear instructions from Moses telling them what they should do. He told them in verse 2, And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. And going on, he explained to them why these things were necessary. But in the days of Gideon, things had changed because they were serving other gods like we have seen before. They served other gods. And the Lord, like he promised that he would do, gave them over to be ruled by the same Amalekites that they refused to chase away, and the Midianites. That was what brought Israel to this state of things. But from time to time, the Lord will raise judges for Israel to help them. And one might ask the question, why is it that God did not just drive them away immediately? God already explained in Exodus 23 verse 29 and 30 that he will not drive them out in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against them. So he said, by little and little I will drive them out from before thee. And then another reason why God did not drive them out immediately is that the Lord was using the, these people whom he did not drive out completely as a school for the coming generations so that through the obstacles they meet 
they could learn to exercise faith in God. And the obstacles are supposed to be the Amalekites, the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, the Hittites that were not yet driven away completely by the Lord. The new generation, the children who were going to grow up to be adults, the Lord was going to use these people to train them also that they may be used, that he will have something to use to teach them how to exercise faith in himself. In Judges chapter 2 verse 20 it says, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because that these people has transgressed my covenant which I commanded their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. So in the days of Joshua, God already knew what was going on. He didn't deliver these people into the hands of Joshua because he saw that the younger generation, they were already departing from him. So God said, in the days of Joshua, I'm not going to drive them away. I will leave them so that I will prove these people to see whether they have the same mindset as their fathers. And the fathers being referred to here is not those who died in the wilderness. It is the likes of Joshua, Phinehas, Caleb, and uh, Eleazar and the rest of them. Those are the people who were called the fathers and the elders that were around that entered into Canaan. They did what was right. That is Joshua and his own peers. But the younger generation did not do what God expected them to do. God left these... Canaanites and the Amalekites, the Midianites, because he wanted to use them to test the younger generation. And what did the younger generation do? They started to pay, they started to take tribute from these people instead of utterly destroying them or driving them out, which became a snare to them. They married their own daughters and they, their, their, their daughters they gave over to the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Amalekites to marry. They made a league with them, going against what the Lord said, do not make a league with these people. But as God was merciful to them, when they turn to God, God always delivers them. And when they turn away from God, God gives them over to the hand of their enemies. And it teaches us a very solemn lesson that when we turn our backs on God, God will also turn against us. God doesn't just turn against anybody arbitrarily. We first have to reject him before he rejects us. Judges chapter 2 verse 18 says, And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass, when the judge was dead, that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings and from their stubborn ways. This was what angered the Lord. And God allowed these nations now from judges 3 verse 3 we see them it says namely five lords of the philistines and all the canaanites and the sidonians and the hevites that dwelt in mount lebanon from baal hermon unto the entering in of hamat and they were to prove israel by them to know whether they will hearken unto the commandments of the lord which he commanded their fathers by the hand of moses and the children of Israel dwelt, dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be with their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. This was the problem. The Bible says to us, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. They were doing business with them. It's not just about marriage. They collected tribute from them. Then they went further, deeper into marriages with them. This was the problem 
with the children of Israel. And then, as God already said, like I, I read earlier what Moses told them in Deuteronomy 7, where he told them, do not marry them and don't marry their daughters and don't give your daughters over to them to marry. That's Deuteronomy 7 verse 3. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. They went against this express command of Moses. That day they felt in their heart, Oh, we are going to do all the Lord says. All that Moses is telling us. The day Moses died, they will say to themselves, The best legacy we can give to Moses is to obey his words. The best legacy we can give to Moses is to ensure that all that Moses said, we will do. But now, many years have gone by and they are not doing what Moses said. All of them were there that day when Moses was reiterating these instructions to them. But they went against the, the command that was given to them. And we also need to learn a lesson from here. Be careful. Don't move in the spore of the moment. Always have the Lord ever before you. Do not forget the instructions and the commitments that you make unto God. We should try our best to maintain it. It's no easy thing I know to keep a resolution and, and maintain a decision for many years. The devil will test and try us to see that we come away from the resolution and decision that we have made. But we must always be alert to ensure that the commitments we have made to the Lord, we will not go against it. But how? We must keep the right friends, roll with the right people. In marrying these people, they made a mistake and it's not just starting from marriage it started with little things like we saw in the previous devotion little things was where it started from from saying you will not destroy them when they f- they failed to take the hard decisions like the Ephraimites they were they didn't like to do the hard things and the things that the Lord asked them to do like in destroying them utterly they didn't do it they felt oh this is just too this, this is too are wicked or something in their mind like they can't take this decision we have to be merciful as if they are showing mercy on these people remember the Midianite women who they wanted to show mercy on who lured the children of israel into adultery and fornication that up to twenty-four thousand people died you remember that and they spared them and moses said are you sparing these women and people love to talk about wars and say oh no women keep the women but moses said are you sparing these women are they not the ones that lured you into sin Look, we should not have any sympathy towards anything that is potentially leading us to sin. Whether it is a friend, whether it is a colleague, whether it is uh, our, our material things. When I say sympathy, I'm not saying you shouldn't have mercy on people. I'm saying do not let your emotions make you come to a position where you fail to make the right decision on these matters and feel oh let's keep them around us let's just keep them around us the lord said no evil communication corrupts good manners and this was what happened to israel and they lost it but the lord raised judges for them from time to time that will help them to always come back to god we had judges like um othniel shamga and also People like Ehud, Barak, and Deborah, these were all before Gideon. These were all before Gideon. And they did their work very well. For some of them, 40 good years, they kept Israel following the Lord. For some of them, even more than 40 years, they are, they, through their rule, Israel was kept in obedience to God. 
In Psalms 106, David recorded it saying in verse 34, They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, which they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own works, and went a whoring with their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own he abhorred his own inheritance, and he gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times did he deliver them, but they provoked him with their counsel, and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry, and he remembered for them his covenant, and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captives. That's just a summary of the time just after they entered Canaan. David wrote about it and you see the details that David wrote there concerning it. He said they shed innocent blood. They gave their, the, sons of their, the, the blood of their sons and their daughters over to idols. They made their own inventions and said they stopped following the Lord. And I keep repeating these things. When we make our own style of worship, we are worshipping other gods. When we do things that are not in harmony with God's word and creating our own methods, we are going away, and especially when we are copying it from the world, by the way, when it is rooted in paganism, and you see that this thing you are copying is copied from other religions. You are not still worshipping God even though you are calling his name. I'm not saying that um, when you do things that are in harmony with God's word, even if the method is not necessarily found there in the word of God, then it is wrong. No. When we were looking at the principles here and where you got it from, did you get it from paganism? For example, we have talked about things like um, the things we watch in our television and bring them into the church, the drama, the concerts, the coming into the church to give our words, all of those things. It's not something that the Lord ordained. When we do these things, we are departing from his plain instructions. Departed from his plain instructions. This was this is the background that leads to the call of Gideon. Now Gideon was living in a time, like we've said earlier, when the Midianites had been oppressing them for about seven to eight years. And the Lord called him, Judges 6, verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat and under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, in God's call to Gideon, like we read in devotion, Gideon was already filled with a sense of his own helplessness. He saw his insufficiency, and you see that in the way he kept on asking questions and was not quick to take up the responsibility. Not that he's wrong to be quick. He wanted to be sure that he was not going in his own strength, but that God was with him. And as far as God was with him, Gideon was going to exercise faith, knowing that he was not going in his own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. In Judges chapter 6, reading from verse 17, he says, And he said unto him, that's Gideon said to the angel, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. And the angel did show him a sign. And then he knew, okay, it seems the Lord is with me. But there's something remarkable that the Lord did. God didn't just come to give them victory without them changing their ways. God told him through that angel that he should go and destroy the altar that his father had, which was an altar unto Baal. And the Lord told him to build an altar 
for the Lord himself in Judges 6 verse 23. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abizrites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a bond sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Here is a lesson taught to us that when we turn our backs on God, he will turn his back on us. But for us to get the Lord's approval, we need to come back to him. The Lord said, destroy the altar of Baal. Many of us need to destroy the altar of Baal in our phones and in in our TV in our homes the dvds and the videos you have on your phone many of them our phones many of us our phones have become altars to Baal, altars to other gods because of the information we are getting we sit down and receive instruction from demon gods watching movies and cartoons and all kinds of filth from the internet and from our own televisions and mainstream media also things that are not in harmony with the principles of god's law what happens in god in a church that is ordered by god the lessons, what, what makes a church a church is that the lessons being taught there are in harmony with the word of God. That is how we know that this is a church of God. Anywhere you go to, it must not call itself a church. But as far as the lessons you are being taught from there are lessons that are satanic, violence against God's commandments, fornication, adultery, competitive spirit and covetousness. These are the things contained in your sports in your movies, in your cartoons. And that's why I keep saying, many do not understand that as you sit down before your phone and your TV watching these things and swallowing all the filth and the information they are giving to you, you are just in your own form of church, listening to the sermon that is being preached to you. And you need to cast down those altars. Those are altars of Baal. They need to be taken away. Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If you can handle the phone, then go on. For some, it is not just these movies I'm mentioning. Others, it is even indeed worship of other gods, pornography. And that is what is going on. That people are watching these things. It is the same thing. When you go to this satanic altars, what is going on? It is still the same pornography, sexual reverie. You are participating in the service as you are there sitting down and watching it. That is the same thing that happens in the secret societies and in the altars of in the worship centers of satan in those days in the idol in the shrines that belong to baal and the rest what happens there they used to have people who are dedicated to sexual reverie the bible talks about them they were sodomites they were people who were involved just for the sake of continually having sexual intercourse and that is the same thing that is going on but in a different form now it has come to us through pornography these are the altars of Baal that we have today and they need to be thrown down in the name of the Lord. We need to have strength as Jush- as Gideon was told, go in this thy might. The Lord is speaking to us today, go in this thy might. Break down those altars. Today you hear many churches talking about altars, altars, yet they will keep watching movies. They don't know that the real altar is in their TV 
and in their phone and they'll say oh altar oh altar talking about spiritual altars what spiritual altars are you referring to look at your phone that's your altar the filth coming out of it the things you choose to click and listen to that is the altar of the devil there you don't need to go too far it's just close to you there in your house and it follows you everywhere you go with your phone is it the phone that's a bad thing no the phone is not a bad thing so don't quote me saying that the phone is a bad thing it is what you choose to do with the phone that is the issue now the lord told the lord told gideon break down the altar to baal and he's telling us the same thing today break down that altar that is made to baal today that you may have the favor of the lord gideon did exactly as the lord told him to do and that is a lesson we should learn he didn't do it because he wanted to he did it because the lord asked him to and the lord is asking us to do the same thing today now to show the humility and self-distrust of of um of Gideon he had to ask for signs from the Lord not because he was doubting but once he was in once he got the sign he was now sure that the Lord is the one sending him and after he was sure he went in the might that the Lord asked him to go in and he was a conqueror in Judges 6 reading from verse 36 downward that is where Gideon was asking the Lord to show him a sign and the Lord did show him a sign and after that he went in the might of the Lord this is a lesson for us too that we should not hesitate to ask the Lord whether he is the one guiding you and as far as you have received information and it is clear to you that you are doing something in harmony with God's will as it's found in his word then go in this thy might that is what the Lord is teaching us but then there is the lesson of self-distrust that we all must always learn the lesson of self-distrust is very important for us to know this very well. Reading now from Christian Service, page 235, paragraph 4, it says, The first thing to be learned by all who would become workers together with God is the lesson of self-distrust. Then they are prepared to have imparted to them the character of Christ. This is not to be gained through education in the most scientific schools. It is the fruit of wisdom that is obtained from the divine teacher alone. End of quote. You can also find it in the book Desire of Ages, page 249 and page 250. To show the self-distrust of Gideon, he didn't just run and say, oh, I'm going to fight the Midianites before the Lord called him. The Lord called him and he had to ask questions and to be sure that it was the Lord that was calling him and he asked for signs and the Lord showed him that it was him that was guiding him. And the reason he was asking for these signs is he didn't want to go in his own strength. He wanted to be sure that the Lord was with him and the Lord was indeed with him. And he went, as the Lord told him, in his might, not trusting to his own strength, but trusting to the strength of the Lord. So self-distrust and humility are very important qualities if we must work for the Lord. So what is humility? Humility means obedience to all of God's word. You can't say you are humble towards God and yet you are disobeying him. Self-distrust and confidence in God, that is humility and meekness. A repeated lesson from the life of Moses is seen in the life of Gideon. What did Gideon do differently that we can learn from? He simply obeyed all of God's word. He asked for signs so he wouldn't move in his own imagination. All this showed his self-distrust. He was not quick to credit his thoughts as coming from God. We should learn this kind of meekness. He struggled with the message before accepting it. And after, it's not that he struggled in the sense that he didn't want to take it up. He wanted to be sure it was the Lord. And once he was sure, he went on. Because he didn't trust himself, that was why. 
he would only attempt a thing when he is assured of victory through Christ and the presence of God in it. And we also should do the same thing. Whatever work you are trying to engage in, do not move in your own strength. Even if it is something that the Lord has said we should do. Evangelism of all kinds, whether it is in educational pursuits or having schools, publishing work, sanitariums, whatever the work is. Don't say, oh, the Lord said we should, in his word, said we should do this and then you just run and go and do it without asking. Always ask and uh, and make sure the Lord is leading you instead of you moving in your own imagination. This is a lesson that we learn from Gideon. And the Lord can work with anybody. Gideon was not any of the, will I say, somebody who distinguished himself from the rest of the people in the nation. But the Lord was already training him for this work. And by bearing his responsibilities where he was in doing his work faithfully, the Lord picked him out and selected him for a great work and he carried it well. The lesson we learn is still the same we have learned from the life of Joseph. Before you can be prepared for a great work, you must be careful to do the little responsibilities in a great way. The Lord said, He that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in much. And that is how it was for Gideon. And we are told, if we faithfully perform the duties of our humble position, cherishing the willingness to labor and to sacrifice for the Lord, he will in his own time entrust us with greater responsibilities. Do not look down on any responsibility. Perform it faithfully. You are training yourself. The Lord is training you for greater responsibilities. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, help us to realize the importance of faithfulness in little things. Teach us the lesson of self-distrust and humility. Forgive us, Lord, for the things we have done that are, as it were, serving Baal and worshipping other gods. Many of us struggle to give up our idols in our phones and in other ways, in our dress, in our way of life, in everything we do. We have ways in which we are like the children of Israel, separating ourselves from you. Please, Lord, help us that we may turn our backs on these idols and serve the Lord only. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.